This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Well, today I'm going to focus on Genesis chapter 9, and as you see on the screen, verses 8 through 17. But uh, before we turn to the Word, I want to, I want to just set this up uh, in preparation for talking to you about rainbow promises. God's amazing promises he made to Noah. But at the time of this setting, there was a whole lot of uncertainty in Noah's life. He had just experienced a catastrophic, apocalyptic, I don't think that's too strong a word, apocalyptic event. The flood had turned his world upside down. Now, there's no way for you to go where he was. Uh, he had never even seen it rain, let alone see a storm. He had never experienced anything like lightning. The world was so different prior to this event. And now, with this epical event, his world ceased to exist as he had known it. All the assumptions, all the things that he anchored to, all the things that he could take for granted, were gone. Think if something catastrophic would happen and... El Dorado Springs was just wiped off the face of the map. More than that, Missouri was wiped off the face of the earth. Everything that had breath in it was gone. It was a brand new world. And he was attempting to make sense out of it all, cope with it. Maybe he's out in his field... Something different has happened even with the earth. Now he's having to tend crops like he had never had to tend them before. Totally. Everything, everything, everything was different. And he's out there perhaps attempting to figure out how to do it. When all of a sudden he hears a distant rumble. And he begins to shake. He had heard that rumble just previously. And he looks to the horizon and he sees a towering cumulonimbus cloud, a storm cloud, lightning perhaps flashing. And I think, I think without a doubt, he probably would have said, might have said, Oh God! Not again! I declare to you that nothing that he could ever have seen would have frightened him as much as the appearance of another storm cloud. Is God going to do it all over again? Haven't I experienced enough? (laughs) But against the backdrop of that menacing storm cloud, God 
put his rainbow. And through that rainbow, he begins to speak to Noah messages that maybe some of us need to hear, even today. So with that as a backdrop, let's read from verse 8 of chapter 9. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Verse 17, so God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. I do set my bow in the cloud. So the question immediately arises, what was God saying to Noah? Have you ever thought about that? What was he trying to communicate to Noah by the appearance of the rainbow? And is it possible that God might be saying something similar to some of us this morning? Well, let me just jump right in to answering that question. And I think, in part, this is what God was saying. I will not forsake you in the times of your fear and dread. Think of the worst possible thing that could happen to you. I dare say that 90% of us here today, probably at some point, maybe even right now, have gone through something that causes your eyes to be wide open in the middle of the night. Your heart is quavering with fear. What's going to happen? Oh, God, what has befallen me? How is this going to end? I think maybe it would be beneficial if I were to just step away from this podium this morning and let some others speak. I'm not sure that I'm really qualified. I've thought as I prepared this message today of that community-wide shaking that we have taken this week with the news that gripped us 
the passing of our beloved Travis. Maybe I ought to have Kelly come up here and speak to you this, today. Maybe I ought to invite my friend Rick Baker up. He's, he's, he's been there. He's done that. Maybe I, maybe I should... Holly was in the service, the earlier service. Maybe I ought to allow Holly to speak. And I noticed as I brought the message this morning, Holly, head was shaking. It's true. It's true. In the midst of the thing you fear and dread the most in this whole wide world, God puts his bow in the clouds and he says, I'm with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm here. I declare to you once again, there, there is absolutely nothing that would have caused him more fright and consternation. Oh, dear Lord, is this going to happen to me again? I've, in the course of my ministry, have walked with people through the valley of the shadow of death. I've been some with some who are older and thinking now of an individual who was conscious of the fact they were losing their eyesight. And they would just weep, take hold of me, and say, am I going to have to spend my days, the last years of my life, totally blind? They were frightened beyond measure. And I have been with those who've gotten that dreaded word. It's cancer. Friends, I want to tell you that sends a chill all over me today. I, I kind of humorously mentioned this morning a time not all that long ago when I stepped out of a shower, and I hope this doesn't take your mind where it ought to be, but um, I, I happened to glance up in the, in the mirror and I saw where on the, my side I have a, a mole, but completely in a perfect purplish, yellowish circle. There was something surrounding that mole. I want to tell you, honey, come here. I'm in trouble. I remember saying that. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. That has the absolute classic look of melanoma. And I had witnessed those who'd had that particular kind of cancer and how fast it can act. And I got on the phone and I called my primary physician and I said, George, I, I've got to get in to see you today. Richard, I have no openings, but you've got to see me today. I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll put you on a waiting list if anybody cancels but it's probably going to be about four days before I can see you. Can I tell you something? Those were the longest four days I have ever spent in my life. I began to think about what I needed to add to my will. Honestly, I began to think about the steps that I needed to take to prepare my wife for my demise how is Wanda going to cope with all this stuff? I've always taken care of all the business. And I went over it with her in detail. Here's where this is and here's where that is. And honey, you need to be con conscious of this need. And hi, hi, hi. Finally, 
finally I got the call. I walked into the doctor's office and he said, show me what you're concerned about. And I showed him and he said, oh, how did you bruise yourself? <laughs> I said, what did you say? How did you bruise yourself? That's a, that's a bruise? Oh, yeah, that's a bruise. I don't remember it happening. Yeah, you bruised. Are, are, are you sure? Don't you need to take some tests? No, Richard, it's a bruise. It'll be gone in three or four days. I felt like hugging his neck. <laughs> Fear. I, I, I felt almost ashamed. <sighs> there have been times when I've had to confess to the Lord, I, I preach to others that it doesn't do any good to fret. We can't add a year to our life nor an inch to our stature, but many times I've had to say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I know, I know I'm supposed to do better than this. I, I, I turn it over to you. Be still my soul, Crystal. And I, I, here it is, Lord. And then I take it back. And I take it back and I give it to him and then I take it back and I give it to him. And I hope that some of you understand because I, I'm so glad God understands. <laughs> I, I, I know in theory what, what I ought to do, but sometimes it's easier to preach about it than it is to actually do it. But I'm here to tell you, dear friends, I am here to tell you on the authority of God's word. This is what God was saying to Noah. Nothing has caused you greater fear and consternation than this appearance of the storm cloud once again. It was with this coming of the storm cloud that I wiped out the world as you knew it and turned your world upside down. But I set my bow in the cloud and I'm making a promise to you that in the middle of all of it, I will not forsake you, and I am still in control. And this has not caught me off guard. It hasn't snuck up on my blind side. Amen. Amen. And in fact, here is the amazing part. That thing that causes your hurt to stiffen and your breath to leave you he will make that thing you fear a source of blessing if you'll allow him to. I relate to you without going into detail. There was a time in my life, not all that many million years ago, when I was at low ebb tide. I felt like I was... Slid, I had slidden down the, to the end of the rope and was hanging on to the end of the rope. And my heart was palpitating with fear. What is going to happen? I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I'll never forget how God's... I was in the street walking back and forth in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning. Asking God, give me some direction, give me some scripture, give me something to anchor to. And the Lord reminded me that a brother had given you a copy of a song. Why don't you go home and listen to it? You've not listened to it yet. 
And I literally ran, burst into the door, put that thing in, well, this is gonna, this is gonna date me, put it in the cassette player, <laughs> and began to pl- play it, and it was this. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. I'd listen to it for a half hour, pray for a little bit, listen to it again, spent the rest of the night listening to that amazing song, Don't Give Up on the Brink of a Miracle. Recently, we were there in Lake Charles, and I said, honey, one more time, I'm going to take you down LaGrande Street. I want to show you the spot when God ministered to my heart in the middle of the night and showed me that though I was in a storm that was frightening me, to death, nearly. God put his bow in the cloud. And I look back, and I want to tell you something. I wouldn't want to go through that experience again for all the money in Fort Knox. But I tell you this, I wouldn't exchange what God taught me and showed me in that time of stress and, and, and consternation. I wouldn't take anything for it. It made me. Oh, yeah. You don't know this about me. I'm of German extract. And Germans have a very hard head. And God was trying to teach me some things. And I was being a very slow learner So he put me in the press and allowed me to feel fear, pressure, opposition, yes, even persecution, I think. And I look back and say, God, I thank you for that because it absolutely cracked this old German head wide open and helped me to see things that I could not have seen any other way. God made the thing I feared the most a source of blessing, akin to that which Paul must have felt when he prayed, and I don't know what the nature of his thorn was, but he said, oh God, take this away. I can't stand it. Take it away, oh God, please take it away. And the third time he comes before God, perhaps fasting, God, take this thing away. And God says, no, I won't take it away. I will give you grace to bear it. And the day came when Paul said, I glory in the thorn. I thank God for the thorn because God, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Are you going through something today? It's horrific. You never thought it would befall you. Maybe relational, maybe financial. It may be physical. It's causing you, oh God. I'm in the midst. I can't see you anywhere. It's a storm that is shaking me from center to circumference. God puts his bow in the clouds. God's doing that for sweet Kelly, even as I speak. God has done that for my friend Rick Baker. God has done that for Holly. God has done that for some who have received that ominous word, you have stage four cancer. God has done that for some who who receive 
Suddenly, the news from their companion, I want a divorce. God has been with them in the midst of the storm. Amen. But that isn't all that God was saying to Noah. I go to another message, I think. With change happening all around you, God says, I remain constant. Can I tell you something? There is nothing more changeable than a storm cloud. Have you ever, have you ever tried to paint a picture of one or take a picture of one? <laughs> I'm a crazy guy. When, don't say amen to that. <laughs> when the sirens go off downtown, I rush out. I'm mesmerized by them. Look at that. It just seems to be alive. It's roiling and changing and moving. And yes, it's threatening. And, and I want to capture it sometimes. I think, okay, I'll, I'll capture that one. And maybe I try to draw it. <laughs> I look up. Oh, it's changed. Okay, I'll get that one. And I start to put it down or take a picture of it. There's nothing that changes any faster than a storm cloud. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you? Here is this backdrop of roiling, boiling, alive, menacing-looking change. God sets his bow in the clouds. As if to say to Noah, everything may be changing around you, but I'm constant. I remain the same. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. God doesn't change. Man, I don't like change. I want everything to just be predictable. I want everything to just be normal. And you do too. We don't live in that kind of a world. Have you ever seen anything like it? What we're in right now? Brother, I mean every day. You read of some more craziness. Craziness! Right has become wrong and wrong has become right. Up is down and down is up. Black is white and white is black. Man, you can't imagine the kind of change I've seen in my lifetime. I'm only 76. Just a sprout. I was telling the folk this morning, <laughs> I lived in a wholesome country environment, salt-of-the-earth people right here in Missouri. Most of the folk were Baptists. We went to the Church of God. But we all loved one another. And I remember the first divorce, and this, this is no reflection. Boy, it's hit my family. The first divorce. The first divorce I ever heard of. Ah! It rocked the whole community. Divorce! And then I remember the first lady we ever heard of that smoked. It was a scandal. 
The ladies had extension clubs. You remember those back in those days? All the ladies of the community, they didn't want her in the extension club. Mm -mm. No, they didn't want her in the extension club. <laughs> Probably pretty judgmental and, and, and pharisaical, but we've come a long way, baby. We've come a long way. Never, 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 never would I have ever dreamed that not only is wrong prevalent, it's embraced. You're with it, you're cool, you're one of the intelligent ones. If you embrace this or that or the other, that God speaks clearly as an abhorrence to himself. Everybody okay? It's changing. Even the church has changed. Yeah, yeah, fortunately. Even the church. But God says, it's changing. It's threatening. I sometimes pray, oh God, I, I have, uh, let you know a little secret, it's shock you. Fifteen grandkids and ten greats. I don't look that old enough. I've prayed sometimes, oh God, what are my grandkids going to experience? What kind of a world, what kind of a world are they going to know? It's spooky. I've, I've almost, it's, just, it's just unsettled me. But then I remember, <laughs> it's changing everywhere, fomenting, changing, but God puts his bow in the clouds. Sometimes in the darkness of the night, he shines the brightest. God may choose to allow things to even degrade more than what they are, but God is going to refine his church, and the church is going to shine forth brightly as a bright beacon in the night. Hallelujah! He says, I am God, and I change not. Heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus said, but I will not pass away. Thy throne, O God, is what? Forever. And aren't you glad that God is the same? Yeah, but Richard, you gotta, you gotta be up with the times. This is the way we have it figured out. I had an individual at an altar praying with him some time ago. Oh, my, he was in clear violation of God's written word. And he stopped me as I prayed. He said, this, this, this is the way I have it. This is the way I have it figured out. So I opened the word and I said, could you read this with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but this is the way I see it. And I had to remind him that it mattered not one whit how he saw it or how he had it figured out. This is the unambiguous word of God. Hello. And if all society and culture and media and Hollywood all say, this is smart, this is enlightenment, but God says, no, this is my standard. I stand with the unchangeable word of God. Amen. But in the midst of change happening all around you, 
God says, I remain constant. Let me go to the last thing I think God was saying to Noah. This may stretch your mind a little bit, but God is saying, I am a God of mercy, Noah, as well as a God of judgment. You see, listen to me. The storm cloud, what? It was a symbol of judgment. It was with the appearance of the storm cloud. He wiped out the world as, as, as Noah had known it. And now here comes another judgment. But God put his bow in the clouds. And that's a symbol of God's mercy and his love and grace. All Noah had ever known was God's judgment. That's the way he perceived God. And maybe... Maybe that's the way you perceive God. God of judgment. He's, a, he's out to, the sheriff God. He's the God who comes riding in on his white steed with, a, with six shooters on each hip. Bam, 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 bam. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's the way some people perceive God. He's God who's out to get them. But I want to tell you something. God is a God of mercy. Help us to understand that, dear Lord. Because the pendulum has swung. <laughs> I can remember in an earlier day in, in, in my ministry and my colleagues, uh, boy, we preached a lot of judgment. We kind of reflected Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Preached a lot about crossing the deadline and yeah. But the pendulum has swung clear to the other extreme. Now he's all Santa Claus and Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, all wrapped into one. God of love. You can't make too much of God's love, though. I don't want him, I don't want to minimize that. But may God help us to understand that he's a God of judgment. There will be a day when he will hold us account to account, but he's a God of mercy as well. And sometimes, sometimes the thing that we interpret as judgment in reality is his mercy. I, uh, I close with a personal illustration because these are graphic in our memory. When I was a kid growing up, it was not debatable whether you went to church when it was time to go to church. Everybody, anybody else understand that? I tell them we had a drug problem. We were drugged to Sunday morning. We were drugged to Sunday night. We were drugged to Wednesday night. We were drugged. <laughs> it went, hey, I can't ever remember except maybe one or two exceptions when any one of us youngins said to mom and dad, I don't think we're going to go tonight. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Wasn't debatable. My brother Kenneth Butch, we nicknamed, somebody nicknamed him Butch. I don't know where that came from. He was about 18, and he was in that period of, of some rebellion. He was hanging out with the wrong crowd, to be truthful. 
And he said to mom that Sunday morning, dad was already out doing chores on the farm. Mom, I'm not going to go to church this morning. Oh, honey, yes, you are. No, I'm not, mom, not today. I'm going to be in, I'm going to go in town and be with the boys. Honey, no, oh. She, that, if, you, if you knew my mom, that's exactly the way she said, oh, honey, no. <laughs> if dad had been there, uh-uh, it had been a different, and he was a very kind, gentle man, but he just didn't debate with him. Now, Mom, if you'll just quit bugging me, I'll be there tonight, but I'm not going. He had a, he had a, a 51 powder blue Ford, pride of his life. He was constantly tinkering with that thing, making it run faster and hotter, and, and he'd shine it, and he'd shine it, and he'd shine it again. And, and so he jumped in that Ford before Dad could get in from the chores, and he headed for town which was some little distance. Our pastor, Brother Moore, was making his way from town to our country church. Now, it was way out. They, it was so far out there, we had to pump in daylight. <laughs> and uh, Brother Moore told the story later. He said, I saw Butch coming, and he was driving. Back in those days, every road was practically, in the country was gravel. And he said, here come Butch, just fogging. And he said, I waved, Butch waved back. And he said, I just happened to follow the little powder blue Ford as it sped on past me. And he said, I saw him come to that little, it wasn't a big bend in the road, but he said, I saw that little Ford fishtail. And he kind of got it straightened up and it fishtailed again. He said, I really don't know what happened, whether it hit a chug hole, but it flipped on its top and slid for about 180 feet and came slamming against an embutment. He said, oh, no. He knew that for anybody to come out of that alive would be a miracle. But he knew that it was terribly complicated by who Butch was. Butch was one of three of my brothers that were afflicted with a thing called hemophilia, free bleeders, passed through my mother to three of the sons. Fortunately, Tim and I were not so afflicted. But Butch was a bad hemophiliac. And he knew that it would be almost impossible for him to survive that. He found Butch suspended in the car, unconscious. He did what he thought was best he, he, he pulled him up through the door, which was now on top, not knowing that his back had taken a terrific blow. Put him in the car and rushed him to town, and then they put him in an ambulance and on to St. Louis. Where was Brother Moore? We had gathered in our little church. Dad was the song leader, and he, he led the typical three songs and had prayer. And then he said, well, I don't know what's happened, Brother Moore, but uh, let's sing another song. And, and then finally he said, well, I'm going to read some scripture to you. Dad was a pretty decent preacher when he wanted to be. And uh, he was just starting when we heard crunching of gravel. Looking out, we saw Brother Moore's car. Everybody went deathly silent. Brother Moore came back. He stepped in. His face looked ashen. He said, folks... 
we need to go to prayer. Butch has been involved in a terrible accident. Oh, I'll never forget that. Chills went all through me. My mother threw her hands up around her face. She said, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I don't know how mothers know, but they know. But I want to tell you, at a time like that, you better know how to pray. We, to a person, fell on our knees. We, knees. Wasn't standing in prayer. We got on our knees. I was right by my mother. I remember what she said. I can remember it. She said, oh, God, don't take much like this. Oh, God, don't take him in his rebellion. Oh, God, let him live. Oh, God, don't take him. Boy, God heard that prayer. When they got to the hospital, they said, we don't know whether he's going to make it or not. If that region around his spinal cord hemorrhages, and it surely will, it'll, it'll probably take his life. Even if he survives, he likely will never walk another day. And uh, we prayed. And God heard. And God performed that miracle. Hey, he, he, he hemorrhaged everywhere else. I mean, you'd have to be around this kind of thing, but hit his arms, purple, they swelled to the point they were strutted. His legs, everything else. But that vital region that picked the blow around his spinal cord, it didn't hemorrhage. We don't have any explanation for that, but it didn't hemorrhage. It didn't hemorrhage. And weeks, weeks in the hospital, weeks. Finally, Butch was allowed to come home in a wheelchair. Graduated from a wheelchair to a walker, and then I think from a walker to crutches, and eventually, this is months, months of convalescing. He could walk, but he would be a cripple the rest of his days. He'll always walk with a gimp, gimpy leg. He was on crutches, or cane rather, I think it was, but I had, time, this is months, I'd gone away to a boarding Bible school called Kirksville Bible School where I met my wife, and got the call to preach, How's a country boy? Who, after several weeks of that, I was so homesick. I called my folks. I said, you're either going to have to come up here or I'm coming home. They said, we'll be up on the weekend. Butch came with him, but he, he wasn't saved yet, but he was changed. That rebellion, that stubbornness, that obstinance, it was gone. They asked my dad to sing I wish you could have known my dad. Some of you, you're just too young. But he was a sweetheart. He sang with a guitar. And he sang, I'll never forget that Sunday morning, the old Kirksville Church, The Loveliness of Christ. I say he sang. He sang about one verse, and that's as far as he, he got all choked up. He just stood there strumming his guitar with tears streaming. And I heard the awfulest racket Thumping and bumping, I thought, surely a baby has fallen off the pew. <laughs> I craned my neck around, and old Butch was trying to get out of that end pew, and his old crippled legs weren't working right, and that cane was thumping the pews all around as he staggered out into the aisle, tears flooding down his cheeks. He headed to the altar, and about six other young men joined him there, just, whew, I mean, meeting was on. 
and Butch gave his heart to God that Sunday morning. And he never, ever looked back. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.